the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. W262CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. We come from such diverse backgrounds, and you know how challenging it is in the local church. If you've been in a local church for any amount of time, you know how challenging it is to get everybody to cooperate, everybody to be on the same team, everybody to be on the same page. Why is that? Let me give you some suggestions why it's very difficult and challenging to get people to cooperate in the local church. It has been said that leading a church can often be as difficult as trying to direct a herd of cats. It seems that everyone has their own idea of what direction the group should go and what it should be doing. Pretty soon, the group does not look like a group at all. It's just a bunch of individuals that may or may not be heading in the same direction. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio ministry committed to proclaiming the powerful truths of the Bible through helpful teaching that is based upon the careful study of God's Word. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff, pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In our recent broadcasts, we have been following Pastor Steve's study on the book of Nehemiah. Last time, we began to examine Nehemiah's discernment as it was demonstrated through the delegation of the work that needed to be done. Today, Pastor Steve will reveal how the scripture turns the focus on to the people who worked with him as well. We will see how their working together enabled them to complete the enormous task that confronted them. So let's open our Bibles once again to Nehemiah chapter 3 as we continue the lesson from our last broadcast. Here is Pastor Steve. Now there's a lot that could be said this morning just about delegation and good communication. That's often where many of us fail in getting work done. And so we tend to get bogged down in the details. You know, some people, especially perfectionists, do not delegate well. And the reason being is because they haven't found anybody who can do the work as, as good as they can. So they just work on themselves, but uh, they get bogged down in details. And so we could say a lot about just delegating, but I don't think that's the main point here. Delegation alone isn't the real issue in chapter 3. It is the absolute common sense and clear thinking of Nehemiah that, that he brought into the way he delegated the, uh, the work on the wall. It's absolutely brilliant. His, his organizational brilliance shines through here. You see, you can delegate tasks to the wrong people. You can delegate, but if you don't delegate to the right people... The work's not going to get done. You need to match the job with the person. You need to have a fit based on, on them fitting properly. You need to assign people tasks for which they're suited, for which they're interested in, for which they're talented in, for which they're gifted. Whatever way you want to put it, uh, that's the way to do it. And that's what Nehemiah did. Let me, let me show you. First of all, notice that Nehemiah assigned people to work near their own homes, their own houses. For example, in chapter 
3, verse 23. After them, Benjamin and uh, Hashub carried out repairs in front of their house. In front of their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Masiah, son of Ananiah, carried out repairs beside his house. Notice verse 28. Above the horse gate, the priest carried out repairs each in front of his house. And it says that in verse 29 and verse 30. I mean, we don't need to take the time to, to go back. That's a principle here that stands out. Now, why was this such a good, good organizational thought on Nehemiah's part? Well, let me give you several reasons why this makes sense. First of all, these people would be highly motivated. Highly motivated to put forth their best efforts since a breach in the wall would mean their family wouldn't be protected. The family, the house was right next to the wall. So if that wasn't strong, that part of the wall wasn't strong, that could easily be broken into and your family would be at risk. So these men would be very motivated to put forth their best effort. They had a vested interest. Secondly, these men didn't have to waste time traveling around the city. They didn't have to commute. They got up in the morning, they walked out the door, their place of work was right there. They didn't have to go home for lunch. They didn't have to um, waste any time to... Uh, to, to take breaks and go back and see and check on their families and all that. They just work right there. Third reason why it made sense is that in case of attack, and that's really why you built a wall to protect yourselves. In case of attack, they wouldn't be tempted to leave their posts and protect their families. Why? Their families were right there. So they didn't have to worry. They didn't have any unnecessary anxiety. I mean, it just made good sense. Secondly, in addition to the men working on the wall closest to their own house, there were several who didn't even live in Jerusalem who came to help. We read about the people from Jericho, the people from Tekoa, from Gibeon, from Mitzpah. Those are all other areas. These are not communities in Jerusalem. These are outside cities. They came to help. They were commuters. And Nehemiah purposely assigned them sections of the wall where their homes uh, where there weren't any homes. There weren't any homes. I mean, none of this is haphazard. All this is planned out. It's by design. For example, in verse 2. Next to him, the men of Jericho built, and next to them, Zechar, the son of Imri, built. No mention of any houses. They just built where there were no houses. Uh, verse 5, moreover, next to him, the Tekoites made repairs. It says the same thing in verse 7, next to them, and, and so forth. Uh, these are outside people, and they didn't build right where the houses were. Why? Because the men who owned those houses, they built there. Brilliant plan. Number three... Also, some men were assigned work according to their skills and vocations and interests. Uh, notice verse 1. Then Elisheb, the high priest, arose with his brothers, the priests, and built the sheep gate. You want to look at your map, where the sheep gate is. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They uh, consecrated the wall to the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of uh, Hananel. Now, why would it be important for the priest to work on the sheep gate. Well, it would be very important because the sheep gate was, where, was the gate where animals were brought uh, into the temple area to be sacrificed. It would be very important to the, uh, to the priests to make sure that that gate was working well. So Nehemiah assigned the priest there. That just makes sense. Now, the principle, the principle for what Nehemiah did was this. He assigned people tasks that perfectly fit them. In other words, 
Everyone was involved at the level of their interests. Now, as we think today about the Lord's work, and we think today about serving the Lord in the context of the local church, we have to realize that very often local churches are inefficient and ineffective because we've got the wrong people doing the wrong work. Sometimes we just say, look, if you've got a willing heart, that's all that counts. No, that's not all that counts. Are you competent in this area? In churches, we do things that in business they wouldn't allow often because we just think you've got to have a willing heart and you love the Lord so, and, and you've been here for more than three weeks regularly, so we'll plug in. Uh, that's not the way to do it. At times we assign people to just do the wrong task. So I'd like you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because the Apostle Paul speaks about where people ought to work and where people ought to be involved in a local church. Granted, the Corinthians uh, didn't know a whole lot about this themselves, but that's why Paul is correcting them. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now he says, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. You know, I, I think that those of us who are non-charismatic tend to uh, have chapter 12. Uh, we miss the point because we're, we're so looking at, at 1 Corinthians 12, trying to deal with the issue of tongues as a temporary sign gift, that, sign gift, that sometimes we really miss Paul's point. Now, I believe it was a temporary sign gift, but I don't think that's the major point here. And I think sometimes we fail to see the major point about spiritual gifts because we're trying to prove other points. But what is the major point? Notice the end of this chapter, chapter 12, verse 27. Here's the whole point of this chapter. There are a lot of details in it, but here's the whole point. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God is appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? Of course not. It's a rhetorical question. All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? I mean, Paul's point is to say that a body is made up of many individual members who are assigned and designed to carry out their task and their task alone. Just like your hand can't do what your feet do, your hand does what your hand does. Your eyes can't do what your ears do, and your ears can't do what your eyes do. It's silly for ears to play the role of eyes. You couldn't see then. It's silly for feet to play the role of hands. You couldn't, you couldn't get around then. That's, that's Paul's point, and, and really that's what Nehemiah did. But yet in the local church, we'll take anybody as long as they just want to do it. Well, I'll do it because there's nobody else. That's, that's not the biblical principle. No, those with, for example, those with the gift of teaching ought to teach. If you have the gift of teaching, shame on you if you're not teaching. If you're lost in administration, then you're, then you're lost in, in terms of the work of God. And those of you who have the gift of helps, and that's most people, I think, in the body of Christ, more of those than any others, those of you shouldn't have to teach. You have the gift of helps. You don't have the gift of teaching. It's possible that some person has the gift of helps as well as the gift of teaching. But usually that's not the case. So here, if you are a leader, here's where we apply it. If you're a leader in, in either the church or in business, 
then find out where those under you are best suited and ask them to and, or tell them to serve there. Ask about their abilities, about their skills and place them where they are best suited. Place them where they're best suited. And those of you in the church who feel stuck in doing some ministry that you don't really want to do in the church, my, my advice would be then quit and do something else. Do something that you want to do. Well, there's nobody who will take my place. Well, the Lord's work can be sustained. The Lord's quite capable. Don't feel obligated. If you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Don't be stuck there. Are you doing something that you're interested in? Something that you want to do? Or are you, are, do you feel like uh, you are just stuck in a ministry? And those of you who are responsible for delegating people to do the work, have you delegated wisely? Have you thought this thing through? Nehemiah obviously did. We're to do that also. So the work of Jesus Christ progresses efficiently. Jesus said that sometimes the children of this world are wiser than the children of God. And this would be one of those illustrations. We somehow think it's all going to come together because God is just sovereign, but there's human responsibility. Nehemiah had a plan. That's human responsibility. Does God give wisdom? Absolutely. But the balance is divine sovereignty and human responsibility. So Nehemiah understood that a smooth running organization doesn't just happen. It may look like that, But what appears to be a smooth running operation is really the result of careful delegation based on on planning with wisdom and insight. So the first of Nehemiah's organizational skills was his ability to assign the right task to the right people. Get the wrong people in there and you're going to have chaos, inefficiency. The second of Nehemiah's organizational skills was his ability to get everybody to cooperate with each other. Now that's amazing. As we read Nehemiah 3, it becomes obvious that those who worked on the wall were from diverse backgrounds. I mean, have you, have you thought about this? You've got priests. You've got skilled craftsmen, the goldsmiths. You have um, merchants. Verse 32, you have temple servants. Verse 26, you have rulers, common people. You even have some women who did construction work way back then. Notice verse 12. You think I made that up? Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halahesh. The official of half the district of Jerusalem made repairs. He and his daughters. So he had some women working on the wall. He had a security guard, probably like a policeman. Verse 29 speaks about that. This man carried out repairs in front of his house. After him, uh, Shemai, the son of uh, Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, carried out repairs. He was the keeper there. He was a security guard. In verse 26, you have two men mentioned. They must have been bachelors. And uh, they didn't have a, a wife, wife or children, and yet they were involved working. Actually, there are about 42 different groupings of people who are mentioned. Who are mentioned. Now, in addition to, to all of these uh, people from diverse backgrounds, there were uh, Jewish people who came from other cities, as I said before, not from Jerusalem to work. The Tekoites and Jerichites and, and so forth. And they all cooperated with each other. By the way, there was an exception. At the end of verse 5, we, we read that, uh, well, it says that the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not support the work of their masters. The nobles, the, the elite people from that city didn't support their work. Uh, why? We're not told. Maybe they were so elite that they didn't feel like they can get their hands dirty. Maybe they really didn't care because their city was fine. Why should they care about Jerusalem? 
Maybe they're just lazy. I don't know. But uh, Nehemiah got everybody to cooperate, but there was an exception. And there's always going to be an exception, but it didn't let, they didn't let that discourage them. Now, what, what's the principle? You know, have you thought about this, that a, that a local church uh, is made up of such an unusual group of people? Do you know that? You have uh, such different ethnic backgrounds. You have various uh, church backgrounds. If we were to take a poll here at various churches, it'd, be, it'd just be incredible. People's backgrounds, uh, different financial status. Uh, various educational status, spiritual levels. You have some of you who have been Christians for years and years and years and others just been in the last few months. Various levels. You have some people who are cool, some people who are not cool. I just want to get your attention on that. But that's true, only I'm not sure which is which. There are people who know, but I don't know. Um, And so... It's very important that we cooperate. We come from such, such diverse backgrounds. And, and uh, you know how challenging it is in the local church. If you've been in a local church for any amount of time, you know how challenging it is to get everybody to cooperate, everybody to be on the same team, everybody to be on the same page. Why is that? Let me give you some suggestions why it's very difficult and challenging to get people to cooperate in the local church. And I mentioned one reason is from such diverse backgrounds, but also some people just don't think they're supposed to work in the church. This is where they come to rest. This is where they come to take in the word. They don't see the church as a, 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 a ministry, as a place to work. D.L. Moody, the evangelist, about 100 years ago said this, and it sounds like he was writing yesterday. A great many people have got a false idea about the church. They have got an idea that the church is a place to rest in to get into a nicely cushioned pew and contribute to the charities, listen to the minister and do their share to keep the church out of bankruptcy. That's all they want. The idea of work for them, actual work in the church, never enters their minds. And, And that's really true. It never dawns on them that somebody's got to do the work. I mean, now they love being served, but it never dawns on them that they're supposed to be serving as well. Now, the, the New Testament answers that in Ephesians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul writes concerning Jesus Christ in verse 11. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints. In other words, leaders in the church are to equip or mature the saints. You're the saints. Why? For the work of service. That is, we equip you for your own work of service. Not for our work of service. For your own work of service. For the building up of the body of Christ. That's, that's how it works. And then he goes on to say, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. In other words, it's, it's forever. We're just working and serving. And, and working and serving and equipping you to serve. That's the way it is. But with some people, it never dawns on them. Instead of working to serve others, they approach the church by saying, what do you have for me not to do, but what do you have so you can serve me? So some people don't cooperate because they don't even know they're supposed to work. They, they haven't even gotten to kindergarten on this. Some people, secondly, don't cooperate because they're just too self-centered. They're, they're really self-centered. They want, now they may work, but they want to be recognized. They really want credit for it. They're bothered when nobody gives them credit. 
for their, for their work and their labor. And, and really, quite frankly, after a while, they become a distraction and uh, they become divisive because they are thinking only of themselves and the only thing that counts in the church is their work. They don't see anybody else's work. They're too busy wanting the applause. Well, Philippians chapter 2 answers that, where Paul said, you are to esteem others more important than yourself. And then he, he presented Jesus Christ as the great model. Jesus Christ, God, came to earth and became a servant, a bond slave, a servant, and humbled himself to meet the needs of others. In fact, I'd like you to see Philippians chapter 4, because in Philippians chapter 4, you had two women who were workers in the church who had a, a, a problem cooperating with each other. Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, verse 1, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown, so stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Euodia, that's a woman, and I urge Syntyche, that's another woman, to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true comrade, I ask you to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, there were two women who used to get along with each other. They were Paul's fellow workers, fellow helpers, along with Clement. However, now they were at odds with one another. They were not cooperating. So what does Paul say? Just a little hint of this. He says in verse 4, here's the message for them and for everybody else. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Stop thinking about your circumstances. Stop thinking about the difficulties. Maybe one insulted the other. Maybe one wasn't real sensitive. Maybe one passed somebody in the hall and didn't say hi. I don't know. But he says rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the fact that you're in the Lord. Stop thinking about these other things and rejoice in the fact that regardless of the difficulties and the circumstances of life and what anybody else does to you, you are in the Lord, rejoice. And then I think the key for them, at least, verse 5, let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Forbearing means to yield, to, to be gracious and to yield. In other words, what he's saying is stop insisting on your own way. Cooperate. That's what he's saying. You women cooperate with one another because the Lord is near. In, in light of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again and his coming is closer than ever before, why are you having conflicts? Why aren't you cooperating? The Lord is coming. He'll take care of all the things that you think were, were done to you that were wrong. If you want credit, he'll give you all the credit you want. But, but work in harmony. So some people just uh, are too self-centered. Another reason why people don't always cooperate in the church is that some people just don't cooperate because uh, they cannot distinguish, or I should say they don't distinguish, between a biblical absolute and a preference. And this is where all those backgrounds come in. Some of us are very stuck on preferences. In other words, this is how we did it up north in our church. We don't do it like that here. That's right. We don't do it like that here. Is, that a, is it a Bible principle? No, but it really worked up north. Well, we have something else that works here. See, but if you get hung up on preferences and those things become so all important, you're not going to cooperate. You know why? Because nobody shares the same preference. Nobody shares the same preference. We all have opinions. We all have preferences. But we submit those preferences to one another. Because we're committed to biblical absolutes. I can, I can live with somebody else's preferences. I, I mean, like, who cares? But what we do care about is the Bible. But when, when you think that a preference, you approach it with such conviction and, and like it's a biblical absolute, you'll never get along with anybody. 
because you'll never find anybody who has the same preferences as you do. We're all guilty at some time or another of having an uncooperative spirit that becomes a detriment to the work of God. Self-centeredness, stubborn willfulness, and an overall lack of effort are all natural manifestations of our fallen sinful natures. Yet we still have work to do here on earth and within the body of Christ, so we can't simply shrug off our shortcomings in the area of cooperation. Pastor Steve shared some biblical truths that will help us cultivate the correct attitude toward our service for the Lord. And we hope that you will join us for our next broadcast as he discusses the steps that Nehemiah took to promote a cooperative spirit within the people of Jerusalem. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast or any of our previous broadcasts, you can download an MP3 recording at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Simply click on the tab, Message Archives. There you will find a list of the various teaching series, along with the dates of their broadcast. Whether you would like to give a recording to a friend or simply listen to it yourself, we encourage you to take advantage of this free resource. You can also order an audio CD by calling us at 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported program, and we want to thank those of you who have partnered together with us by contributing to help keep this instructive teaching on the radio. Your gifts are a vital part of this work. If you have never given to this ministry, but you are interested in sharing the costs of the program, you may do so by simply calling our telephone number. That number, once again, is 727-239-0306. We thank you for listening today, and we invite you to... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.